Nation. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined today by Obi. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Good. Yeah, not too bad. We're fast approaching March and the uh, release of The Batman, which um, I think Chris is going to watch at midnight showing. Are you? Uh, I am, yeah. I'm probably going to regret it, but fuck it. (laughs) No. It's like a Thursday, isn't it? Or Wednesday? Well, yeah, it'll be be Friday morning. Okay. That's not too bad. Yeah. But it is three hours long. Uh, yes. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm hearing like it's annoying because like there's there's people have seen it, so obviously because that like, premieres and early screens and stuff. But there's a so at the time of recording, this is the 27th of February. So there's a review embargo until tomorrow, the 28th, is when people can actually start talking about it. So I'm really curious to see like what people are actually going to say about it and if it's whether or not it's actually going to be good. I'm quite nervous about this film. I'm not gonna lie, because I really want it to be good. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like maybe because it's DC, my expectations are not as high as for something like Doctor Strange 2, mm. which, which is probably a good thing because I won't go in thinking like, oh my God, this has got to be amazing. I wasn't going to be disappointed. Yeah, this, uh, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. I think that's probably going to be the case for most people. And it's annoying because like, um, I want the. I feel like this film could be like really well received critically, but then not make loads of money. Probably maybe because of the runtime of it being almost three hours long. Mm. Um, which I think if you're if you're End- Avengers Endgame, you've built up that clout to justify that film being that long, and people will go see it because of the story that you've told up until that point. But with this yeah. solo Batman film not connected to the DCEU in any way. Um, that we know of. That we know of. People might not give it that sort of chance. Um, yeah. Also, I, it's, a, yeah. it's a 15 in the UK, so... Oh, is it really? Yeah, that's going to limit its mm. audience. Oh, that's that's a shame. Yeah. A, so what, in America, it's PG-13? So, yeah. Okay. Um, although, the, the Suicide Squad, the one with... Enchantress, that was a fifteen, and that made eight hundred and fifty million or something. Seven fifty, and then Venom has also caked it Venom, in. Yeah. So. Joke, Joker made a billion, I want to say. Oh shit! Yeah, of course. I want to say I could be completely yeah. wrong. So there we go. Yeah, so there's there's scope there, but I'm thinking about obviously because like we're still kind of in the COVID times, people are still probably trying to be a bit cautious. But then again, Spider Man made fucking how much money it made. So yeah, yeah. I wonder like. Do embargoes only apply to people who are like professional film critics? Because I saw Belfast at like the Odeon screen unseen, and then I just kind of did a review about it. Mm. I wonder, like, I don't know <laughs> if I did that for Batman, would I get in trouble? Well, this is the thing. So, like, I don't really know. It probably does depend on like your, if if at various point depends on like your clout, I guess, because like someone like like me or you who's only got you know a couple hundred followers on twitter like you can write whatever you like it's not not going to make too many waves but regardless of whether or not you're like a professional if you've got if i had fifty thousand twitter followers on twitter and i started tweeting oh you're the batman's fucking shit guys like don't go see it like that's probably going to get a lot of attention and maybe some people will you know and i always wonder what so people who go to these uh screenings and get embargoes and they say yeah you can't say anything until this date I was wondering, like, if I say something, what are you going to do? 
Yeah, because I see film critics now that I that we follow on Twitter. They're like, oh, the embargo lifts on Monday, but all I can say is you won't be disappointed. And it's yeah. like, well, you're kind of giving <laughs> a kind of review anyway. So mm. at what point does something become like covered by the embargo or not? Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. I think I think oh, oh well yeah to that point I was kind of seeing like um oh I'm really annoyed I can't I can't find the quotes now but I want to there were some magazines or some publications that did like put out a few words here and there so like ones that I can remember I can't remember who they were from but one of them was Empire I can't remember any, any of the other ones I think one was Deadline as well they said they called the film um, euphoric someone called someone said Robert Pattinson will be your new favorite Batman. Um, and someone said something else, but something else that was positive. And I was like, okay, so where does the line get drawn between what you can say? Because if, because if you can say that, then surely you could say whatever the opposite of euphoric is. Surely you could say that about the film as well. Like you could say yeah, that and things like and and things like um, multiverse of madness, anything like that. There's so many spoilers already for that film, mm. um, or like No Way Home. It's it's. To the point where it's like, okay, well then what is covered by the embargo? Because if mm. all this stuff has leaked beforehand, then what are you not actually allowed to say? Are you just mm. not allowed to give it a rating out of 5 or 10? Mm. I don't know, it just seems kind of pointless. Rude. But hey, we're not, we ain't got enough clout for that anyway, so. Yeah, this is true, this is true. <laughs> um, to press screenings. Oh, oh, my, my goal <laughs> is to get invited to an early screening. But then I also thought about this actually, so we would have to all, like, me, you, Chris, would have to all get invited to an early screening because my worst nightmare would be going to see a film like of this magnitude, I would say, and not being able to talk about it with anyone. Yeah. That would piss, piss me off <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I will be seeing it slightly after you guys, um, which... It's fine. I haven't gone to a midnight screening before, so maybe if there's one for Doctor Strange 2, I, I will. I don't think I have either, you know. No. Yeah, they weren't... Mm. They didn't really... They weren't, like... I think the last one I remember was James Bond, and then before that, I oh, couldn't yeah. even tell you when the last one was. Yeah, James Bond being a midnight screening was so random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so random. Like, I, they didn't do one for Spider-Man, but they did one for James Bond. Like, that's so weird. Yeah, it was a bit strange. Yeah. Um, um, it, sorry, go on. I was going to say, have you got any film news? I feel like it's it's kind of quiet on that. So front. I've got a couple bits, and one thing that I... So first thing I just wanted to talk about, um, so Charlie Cox said it was, in, in quotes, dead fucking quiet in the theatre during his scene in Spider-Man No Way Home. And he said he was so disappointed, his wife was recording me and then tumbleweed. <laughs> and I read that and I felt really, I felt really bad for him. Like, Did he say it on his own then? Because oh Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I saw it twice and, you know, there was good response both times. Yeah, me too. But I don't know where he went that, like, people didn't recognise him, you know? And he seems pretty fucking cool as well, like, I don't know. I don't know. And yeah, I just, I, know, I read it and I thought, oh, that must be really shit, like, because, like, he was, a, he's the most popular, I would say, of the um, Marvel Netflix characters on the shows. Yeah. And, like, Obviously, everyone thought that, well, everyone assumed that, like, his role was done, kind of, in those shows after Netflix, or after Disney pulled the plug on them. And then, yeah, for him to come back in that, like, I was hyped when it happened. Even though I knew it was going to happen, I was hyped when it happened, that moment when he catches the brick and all that, like, that was all sick. 
And yeah, so imagine like you're thinking like, oh yeah, this is my, my comeback. Like no one's going to see this coming. And then you fucking, you're in a theatre full of people or whatever. And no one's fucking even back to the island. Like, and your that's... wife is recording your yeah. reaction. Oh man, that's got to be a proper bruise to the ego, man. Yeah. Aren't those shows coming off Netflix soon? They are, yeah. I imagine they're going to put them on Disney Plus or on Star, I guess. Yeah, which is strange because surely Netflix put some of the money up for those. Yeah, I was thinking that. I'm hoping that, well, I'm not really hoping, I don't really care what happens to Netflix, but I'm thinking maybe Disney are going to break off some money at least. Be like, oh yeah, okay, it's like 10 million or whatever. I don't know how much they would give them, but to say it, to take them off kind of thing. Because yeah, like you said, they probably produced quite a lot of money for those shows considering how successful they were as well. That's probably, I reckon probably, quite a few people probably still watch it. Like it's probably one of the most, of like the shows that have come out, that Netflix originals, they're probably up there with like the most watched, I would probably, I would assume, or the most popular. Yeah, definitely. Um, I still haven't seen the last series of each of them, but if they oh, become I, yeah. canon, then I will. I haven't watched the last season. I watched, I haven't watched the ha- last half of season three of Jessica Jones. Because I, I find it so slow and so boring. Wait, there's um, three. I'm pretty sure I've only seen yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> there's three seasons, and I, I, in general, I didn't find Jessica Jones very compelling. Um, but I watched it for sake of continuity. Um, I finished Daredevil. That was okay, I guess. Luke Cage was, meh, and Iron Fist was not very good. But yeah, we move on regardless. If they do bring these characters in to the MCU or that shared universe, I would be surprised if they continued with the storylines that they've given, that they've ended on, I suppose. I'd be very surprised. Yeah. Because I think there was a dispute even at the time when they were filming them with, like, Feige and and uh, the Netflix guys, because didn't they say, basically, like, after, like, maybe... Because in season one, I think, of Jessica Jones, maybe Jessica Jones, they mentioned, like... The, the New York incident in Avengers quite a few times so you think okay yeah this world's connected da, 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 da. but then I think it may be during season 2 of Jessica Jones or season 2 of Daredevil like Kevin Feige and all them lot made like a very clear statement like these shows are not shared with our universe and they did the same thing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well <laughs> um, so yeah yeah I think quite a lot of people want some of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters to kind of be enveloped into the MCU now. I wish. I wish. No, I am not watching all those series. <sighs> what a show. What a show. <laughs> what a show. You and Chris will just have to give me the backstory. Yeah. Any, if, if there's one thing I'll thank, I'll thank the pandemic for, it will be it allowed me to binge watch seven seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What a time that was. <laughs> thank you, COVID. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> what was um, the... Uh, other bit of film news yeah so whilst we're still talking about Netflix so I put this in the chat (laughs) I put a link in the chat like ages ago but I can't remember what it was but basically Netflix are are reconsidering their model of um, dropping all episodes at once and they're thinking of going towards the weekly the weekly release um, strategy and just to kind of like back this up I think that that's most likely a very very good idea because someone on Twitter they point out like how quickly shows seem to come and go when you drop them all at once. So in, on my timeline, anyway, anyway, people regularly were talking about Peacemaker and people were regularly talking about Euphoria. And this person on Twitter, I can't remember their, their out, so apologies. They pointed out that like something like Ozark, which dropped all at once, came and went. After a few days, no one was talking about Ozark. And yeah. I think me and you, 
me and Chris have had this conversation quite a lot about like the weekly versus binge method. And I kind of say like it. So like when you're talking about something like Game of Thrones, for example, it I definitely think makes it creates a better atmosphere for like conversation because everyone is at the same point at the same point in time. So you can kind of like talk about it, build up to the next episode. Whereas if it's all binged, you could have finished the series and I'm only on episode two and then we can't really have a proper conversation about it. You know? Yeah, or you, or you have you feel like you have to watch it all at once because you don't want to see spoilers. Mm, yeah, um, which is it's funny because when Netflix were dropping everything at once, it was like kind of oh this is new and yeah. isn't this good and blah mm. blah blah, and it kind of very you know only a few years later they've gone back to the model that has been the case for decades. Yeah, um, and I can't really remember what my opinion of dropping things all at once was, um, but. Certainly now I'm I'm more like yeah do you know what the weekly if it's not broke don't fix it like the yeah. weekly model is fine I don't mind dropping a couple of episodes at once at the beginning and then yeah so like yeah I was gonna say I'm a fan of like I think quite a few series are doing this like um like drop three episodes at once and then weekly after that I quite like that method I think Invincible did that I think Wheel of Time did that on Amazon um obviously Hawkeye they dropped the first two episodes then did weekly you know I think I quite like that method. Yeah, and you're right. It gives you like six days to watch it if you haven't been able to, you know, if you don't can't watch it on the Wednesday or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it depends if it's if it's like a big show that you want a lot of buzz about, then yeah, do it weekly. If it's maybe if it's like a um, maybe one that is is not like super important like i don't know cuphead or whatever they've got on netflix now you know you can drop that all at once or have you seen the trailer for that show no it's fucking random <laughs> it looks weird i was just like very weird <laughs> um yeah so that um and obviously they just put a whole series of all of the um kind of older stuff that they've got mm. you know like modern family things like that there's no point doing that on a weekly it should only be weekly if it's new content, I think. I agree. Um, imagine if they did that for, like, Friends or something. <laughs> yeah. For, like, hell, yeah. for, like, ten years. <laughs> Literally. Like new episode every week. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, and we're only a few weeks away from Moon Knight, aren't we? Yes. What did you... Did you watch the... Um, have we talked about the Moon Knight trailers? I don't think we have. I'm not sure. I remember... I, remember, I don't know if we said this on... Uh, on record or if it was just in the chat but i remember saying that i didn't really like oscar isaac's accent yes yes yeah yeah um, no, i think that was in the chat i don't think we actually said this in the public space <laughs> yeah i mean it looks all right i mean i didn't really get much of an idea of what's going on he seems to have like at least two different personalities maybe yeah. more um and he doesn't remember when he becomes moon knight mm. um and then I'm not really sure what Ethan Hawke's character is or, you know, what he's supposed to be doing. But, I mean, it looks fine. His accent's dodgy. Although he did come out and say that there's a reason for that. So, yeah, I hope that's true. And he's not just kind of trying to redeem, you know, get ahead of it. <laughs> I would think not. I would like to think that, yeah, he's being genuine in that aspect. Because, like, I don't know. One thing that annoys me more than most things is when people can't get a, um, an British or English accent properly. I'm just like, oh, for God's sake, like it's not that hard. <laughs> it's actually no. not that hard. And if if I think British people, obviously I'm not American, so I can't tell like the subtle differences in in like accents that most Americans can. So like for example, Martin Freeman when he was in 
uh, Black Panther. I was like, oh yeah, his American accent's pretty good. But then people, I was watching reviews, they were like, yeah, his accent's terrible. So, <laughs> um, I think generally British people are better at doing American accents than the vice versa. Um, and it does annoy me when, cause they're not, never, they're never subtle with it. It was Americans. I think a lot of the time, like if it's bad, they're always really over the top. Yeah. With it. And it's, just it's like, always like, oh, I got that. Yeah. Or it's, or it's oh, like, God, it's, it's like really horrible. posh. Yeah. yeah. Can horrible. you imagine, like, Leonardo DiCaprio playing a scouser? I reckon he'd probably, he'd probably play it often. <laughs> if he can, give him an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, cool. So, that was... Yeah, I just quickly, about the trailer as well. Yeah, I, again, I have no idea what Moon Knight is about. Like you, I think that he is... Uh, what's it called? I think he's like, I think he's like really good at fighting. I'm pretty sure. He's got multiple personalities, um, which I, which I thought was a pretty cool aspect of the trailer. The whole multiple personalities thing when he was like looking in the mirrors and like the mirror wasn't doing what he was like reflecting. That's a nice little, um, uh, way to kind of show like different personalities and stuff. Um, and I think there's some sort of connection to Egypt as well. I'm not really sure what it is, but yeah, I think generally I am looking forward to, uh, seeing it and I really like Oscar Isaac as well so I'm hoping that he he brings it and also I'm quite encouraged by the fact that um I read that the writers of Moon Knight are now going to be the writers of um or showrunners I'm not sure of Loki season two okay which kind of, like, makes me think that maybe so presumably the whoever's in charge at Marvel has seen these six or eight episodes of Moon Knight how many is and think okay yeah we've got something here get these guys on to on Loki kind of thing yeah, what does that say for the people that did the first season of Loki? <laughs> well, the, the the woman I remember re- hearing an interview or like a podcast interview with the woman who either show ran it or wrote it. She's a British woman, um, and she was saying that she only ever intended to write one write for one season at that time. Oh, okay. So I'm wondering if maybe I'm wondering if if they'd always had if whether or not they'd always had a season two in mind, or I don't think she wrote it with the intention of a season two. But then and then I think about the ending, and I was like, well that kind of like was very leading on to a second season. So I find it strange that they wouldn't get her if they, you know, thought the series was great. And most people, cause I think we were pretty lukewarm on it, but most people generally really liked it. Um, I do find it quite strange that they didn't bring her on for a second season, but maybe she didn't want to come on for a second season. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those things. It's like the, the directors of Captain Marvel aren't returning for the Marvels. So, mm. Kind of think, yeah. they, is it whose choice is that? But I guess you know we'll never really know. But yeah, I mean, um, we we don't seem to have had too much. There seems to have been more Doctor Strange content than kind of teasers and trailers for Moon Knight. Even though Moon Knight is coming out a lot sooner, very soon. Yeah, I think it's a month month away, isn't it? Yeah, so it's the thirtieth of March. Yeah. Um, and we're even getting another Morbius trainer trailer tomorrow. Um, oh really? Know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. That film should have been and gone by now. Bloody hell. I know. <laughs> like, I, I keep, what really annoys me is like, um, I think it, there's this for the Morbius trailer, but I keep seeing this version of the trailer that clearly they produced in 2020 or 2021 and it's like next year. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's not next year, is it? It's in like yeah. a couple of weeks. So just <laughs> edit your trailer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, not that bothered about Morbius, so I will go and see it. But I'm gonna go see it, yeah, obviously. But 
Uh, my expectations are, are on the fucking floor. Like, the bar is in hell. Like, literally. <laughs> <laughs> like, this film. I'm expecting trash, and I'm hoping I don't get trash. But we'll see. Yes. I mean, if it's... I don't think it's going to be better than Venom, and uh, Venom wasn't good either, so... No. Yeah. No. So only just need to rely on that Spider-Man money, I think. Agreed. Well, they're trying to do this whole thing, like... I just, do you know what I find really, really odd? Like, like why are their movies so bad? <laughs> like, just hire good writers. I, like, I don't understand. Like, why you can't just hire good writers? I'm sure they've got the money to do so. Like, the Spider-Man films are good, but obviously that's probably more the Disney side of it than anything. Mm. And I'm just thinking, like, because they, apparently they want to build out, like, this whole um, universe of Spider-Man characters that aren't Spider-Man, basically. And I'm thinking, like, if you can get your shit together and, you know, get some competent writers and some competent films and you can you, know, you have like a nice little catalogue you can get like a nice little catalogue of films there like a nice little universe for yourselves and to be honest it's our fault I, get, I, keep, I say this all the time it's our fault because their films keep making fucking money we keep, <laughs> we keep rewarding bad behaviour it's, it's our fault yeah so yeah but also they keep they keep releasing films about villains who are not really that villainous no you know they need to have a an actual hero which you know, should be not Spider-Man, mm. or not that version of Spider-Man, mm. and uh, they need to actually make their villains villains. I mean, Agreed. you know, the kind of trailer for Morbius is kind of suggesting that he's villainous, but I can imagine he'll become some sort of anti-hero. Again, you know, Venom kind of trope, but yeah, we will wait and see. Um, there was a Disney, I mean, updated Disney slate, updated in inverted commas because a lot of it said untitled um but it looks like uh we're getting so in 2022 we're having doctor strange for love and thunder um black panther wakanda forever so and then black panther. oh my god you're <laughs> so, worried i'm so worried about that film why because they're <laughs> right not because of that general i'm just worried about how they're gonna handle Everything like the whole, you know, T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I have a bad feeling. I yeah, know. I guess it was such a big moment for like um, representation and culture in when it came out, and like I think even if Chadwick Boseman was still alive, it would have had a hell of a task trying yeah. to live Absolutely. up to that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I think you're definitely going to get whether they recast that role or have a variant or don't there's people on both sides going to be upset yeah, so yeah sure. they're, they're in a bit of a lose situation for that sure. um and uh particularly as like the kind of ending of black panther was him and shuri in oakland and like mm. opening up like um kind of projects to to help the disadvantaged youth there mm. i can't really imagine that it's going to be much of that in this sequel because everything around the MCU has kind of vastly expanded. Yeah. That kind of feels like grounded, which, do you know, I mean, I'd quite like to see maybe like a Disney Plus series about that kind of thing, you mm. know, but I can't imagine Wakanda Forever is going to be about that. But so we've got three this year. Mm. Obviously, this doesn't include the Sony produced films, mm. um, but then 
next year we've got The Marvels, mm. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, uh, Ant-Man Quantumania, mm. and Untitled Marvel, which people are presuming is going to be Blade. Oh, yeah, of course. I was thinking Fantastic Four, but yeah, no, Blade makes more sense. But considering Blade's already been announced, yeah. and as has Fantastic Four, presumably the fact it says Untitled suggests that it might have like a, you know, coda, like a Blade, the, you know, mystery of blah, blah, blah or whatever it is, you know, yeah. <laughs> the vampire of blah, blah. So mm. uh, there's that. Um, also, Rogue Squadron is still apparently coming out next year. Which is Patty oh, Jenkins. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's happening. I'm pretty sure that's not happening. <laughs> but the, you know, this is like a relatively recent release. Okay. Uh, released slate. So yeah, I mean, as far as I'm aware, that's not even started production, and yeah. uh, we're already in February. Um, I thought well, almost March. I thought they'd hit a wall. Yeah, I thought they'd hit a wall with um, with that film. I'd, but yeah, I'd be surprised if it comes out. Why? But, hey. Why does Star Wars keep announcing all of these like? projects that never come to fruition like wasn't ryan johnson supposed to have a trilogy the game yep. of thrones people were supposed to have a trilogy just stop announcing all this stuff yeah. like it's like when power rangers were like we're gonna have six films how dare you sir there's films are coming there's films are coming <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah pretty sure saban films is like non-existent but anyway so yeah so there's four in 2023 that's just pure disney marvel and then one two three four in 2024 mm. so one of them presumably will be um fantastic four yeah. what do you reckon the other three could be ooh, 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 ooh. Um, um i'm trying to think do you reckon there'll be captain america 4 i reckon oh yeah will be in there shang chi um, 2 or is that too soon Maybe, maybe. Shang-Chi 2, maybe. Um, maybe. Am I, is it wishful thinking? Maybe there might be something X-Men related in there. Wishful thinking, probably. Oh, probably, yeah. a bit too, probably a bit soon. Um, and I'm hoping... I know they said they, they, that Avengers is their final... Whatever, Avengers. Endgame is their final Avengers. But I'm hoping there is some, some sort of team-up film. Yeah, I mean, if we've got, you know... The Illuminati appearing in Doctor Strange, then there could be maybe an Illuminati film or something yeah. like that. Something. Um, it's like, it doesn't have to be called Avengers, but like, you know, there must be other, you know, team ups in the Marvel comic history. I don't know. I don't know what they would call them. Oh, like Illuminati. And other, there must be other ones as well. Like, give me something else. Like, because, you know, I think building up to the Avengers is one of the reasons why this franchise is so popular because people want to see all these characters come together and fight whoever and interact with each other and blah 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 so like you know they'd be silly not to do that again yeah I, they, I mean they could have a young Avengers because we've already got yes yeah um, Kate Bishop there's going to be I mean people, I don't know who go on sorry I don't really know who's in the young Avengers but like America Chavez is quite young and yeah so America Chavez is in young Avengers um, the two Wanda's two kids are in young Avengers um, the young Loki that we saw in, Yo- in Loki, he's in Young Avengers. Um, and there's someone else, I think, uh, Kang, obviously not Kang, but his alter ego, Nathaniel Richards, his young self, like the young version of him, the Iron Lad, he's in Young Avengers as well. So we've technically seen quite a few of the characters that could be, that could be involved. I feel like at some point, quite soon, Disney are going to have to, do another presentation like they did mm. was it 2020 or whenever it was um d23 where they announced all of this because pretty much from the the 
second half of 2023 onwards, everything's untitled. Mm. You know, there's untitled Pixar animation, untitled Indiana Jones, untitled Disney live action. You know, mm. it's just like, give us... I mean, there's four untitled films that are supposedly coming out this year. Oh, right. <laughs> untitled Searchlight on the 12th of August. Mm. That's not that far away. <laughs> give us the title. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And then, uh, yeah, they're still planning up to Avatar 5 in 2028. So, yeah, we will see how Avatar 2 does on the 16th yeah. of December this year. Yeah, I'm I'm weirdly looking forward to that just because I want to see what the reception's like. Yeah. I mean, when did Avatar 1 come out? 2008? Yeah. Well, 14 years. Christ. No, it's too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I need to know what's coming out. I can't, you know, still, we still don't properly have release dates for some of the Disney Plus stuff coming out this year. No, because aren't we supposed to get, get Miss Marvel? Uh, what else are we supposed to get? She-Hulk. She-Hulk, yes. yes, yes. Um, I'm sure there's a, another one. I think there's something too. else, yeah. I think there's another one. But yeah, no, it's it's a bit weird. Like, because, you know, we just, we just expect to have, like, this shit's all weird. Like, especially stuff that's coming out this, this year. Like, and even next year, you expect, like, to have proper established dates. Maybe because of, like, COVID and pandemic and stuff, they're being a bit loosey-goosey with the dates and stuff. Maybe. But even still, like, you do, you know, I want something to, you know, look forward to. We need the content. We do. Speaking of content, quickly, um, whilst we're on the Disney stuff, um, I want to ask you a question, which I was going to ask when we were talking about Boba Fett, but I completely forgot. So... Um, okay. since we've both seen it I'll ask you it now and obviously we've got the Obi-Wan series coming out in a couple months as well or a few months um, where do you think the Star Wars, fran- Star Wars franchise goes from here? <sighs> it's a tough one I don't obviously I don't know the, the lore surrounding it I don't know I don't really know the other ancillary products I mean there's comics there's all these animated shows there's the games that I don't watch and all this history kind of stuff which I don't have any knowledge of but i remember when we were talking about mandalorian season one i think it was mm. and i was like they on it, were you? no yeah. and i said they are not going to do that they're not doing well by not having it as part of the skywalker franchise and mm. then as soon as they started linking it more towards it and then obviously concluding with luke showing up mm. like it got better mm. and I think part of that is because the Skywalker saga is a known product Mm. and a loved product that is definitely part of it. But I also just think that, like, the rest of the story, like, Mandalorian Season 1 was not strong enough, like, without those ties. You know, Mm. the characters were just not that interesting, Mm. um, in my opinion, anyway. I know I was a lot more down on it than others, but... Mm. um, yeah, I mean, I think the opposite could maybe be said for, like, The Force Awakens because there was, you know, people wanted to see Finn become a Jedi and, and all of yeah. that to be explored. But then they kind of it ended up just being Luke and Leia again. Yeah. Um, which I think was to its detriment. So Agreed. it's difficult. I mean... They've got so much to explore that you do wonder why they keep tying it back to Luke. Um, 
or Anakin. Um, but I think, how do you separate from that? I mean, even the Game of Thrones prequel series is about Targaryens. Yeah. So even though it's set, I don't know, a thousand years before what we saw in the eight series, you're still going to be like, oh, that's Daenerys's ancestor. And mm. so there's like that, that link. Um, whereas if, if they were just like, oh, this is what happens in, you know, Europe during that time and there's no link to it, you're going to be like, I don't care. Yeah. So in a long-winded way, I don't really know, to be honest. <laughs> um, I would... Yeah, I think... Because there were such large gaps between each trilogy... Mm even within the films themselves, like a lot of content happened like off screen or has been filled in by the animations that they've got a lot to explore, but it yeah. gets to the point where you're kind of like, how much money are you going to spend de-aging Mark Hamill to yeah. just fill in these gaps? Yeah. Like, you know, if they continued, I wouldn't really want to be bothered about seeing much more about what happens to Ray, but you know, like, Poe, maybe, I don't know. Um, if they did a whole Order 66 thing, I don't know, it could be interesting. Where do you see it going? Um, honestly, like you, I'm really not sure. I do think that Disney or Star Wars, whoever, they have to be brave and be willing to to break away from the Skywalker saga and linking itself to to the Skywalkers. It can still be Jedi, it can still be, you know, about rebels and rebel forces, but it doesn't have to be, you know, connected to Luke. It doesn't have to be connected to Anakin Skywalker. It doesn't have to be connected to, you know, Darth Vader. You know, you can, you can, we can move past these stories and hopefully be able to tell new ones. At the same time, I do think that, I think that actually this is probably much harder than it's that it looks or then 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 it is then it seems that we're talking about it having to break away from because i can't think of another franchise that has gone on for this long and has not has been able to break away from its original content and keep going and still be successful if that makes sense like yeah i'm trying to think of one as i'm speaking right now and i'm trying to think of one, i'm thinking like of the event obviously the avengers films like they're all connected to each other basically I'm trying to think of like blade runner for example that was connected to the first one Star Trek, they're all, they have the same characters, but just in different iterations. Star Trek, even though that's been going on for like 50, 60 years or however long. Um, so yeah, like, I think they have to try and break new ground in, 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 the, in that sense. And I think they kind of tried to do it with The Mandalorian season one, which I enjoyed, but I won't hesitate to say that I enjoyed season two a hell of a lot more. Um, and the connection to the Skywalkers. So it's hard to tell what they can do. Um, without like connecting it to what they know is beloved and what they know is popular because no one's really ever done that before <laughs> yeah so. and I mean even with the Mandalorian um, you know end of season 2 Grogu is, is returned to his people or given to Luke mm. but then in Mandalorian 2.5 he comes back and it's like the Mandalorian can't even get past Grogu yeah let alone be completely separate from the Skywalker saga so it's yeah, I kind of think of it in like, this is an odd analogy, but like, 
your if your favourite artist is I don't know, say you really like old school Paramore, which I do, and then their newer stuff is a different direction, and you go and see them in concert and they just play their new stuff and you're like I like the old stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah. some, sometimes you need you need to have that link to to I think it's how much of that link you use. Like having a cameo of Luke is cool, but if Luke is now in it quite a lot as he was in those episodes in Boba Fett, you're like, ah, okay, you're, mm. this is now kind of just an extension of the original trilogy. Mm. Um, it's very difficult. Right. Um, I, I think comic book characters have the advantage of having been comics before and there's hundreds of characters and yes they do interlink but you can have your own separate franchises with them and yeah. then they meet up um which i guess yeah. is different from star wars which was just completely created by george lucas and mm. um, yeah just quick i tell you what i would be vaguely interested in is so like one of my gripes with um Excuse me, one of my many gripes with the prequels was that um, I think they didn't do enough to explore the hypocrisy of the Jedi and how they're not like as uh, they're not as like um, arbitrarily right as they want themselves to be seen as like and even something as simple as, you know, um, what's it called when uh, fucking when what's his name? Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan says in Revenge of the Sith, oh, only a Sith deals in absolutes. But then in episode five, uh, Yoda says, do or do, do or do not, there is no try. Like, that's a fucking absolute. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think that's uh, just poor writing. It is poor the, writing, it is. The, the prequel right. trilogy, because I think George Lucas, you know, maybe undermined some of the things that happened. Um, but yeah. Think, yeah, well, you know, you're absolutely spot on. But like, I would like for them, and even when they, they like Luke, sort of kind of gets into that in The Last Jedi they're kind of right a bit into that like saying like, like the legacy of the Jedi's failure you know for us to um, only want the force to be on the side of the light is, and not on the side of the dark is arrogance da 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 I, I would be interested in them maybe a few years into the future 20-30 years into the future after Rise of Skywalker in them maybe setting up a new Jedi Council or Jedi Order and then you've got maybe people who are Jedi, but they're differing factions, people who want to, you know, be, go back to the old ways of um, how they were in the prequels and, you know, all overseeing, blah, blah. And then maybe some people who are the new ways, maybe a bit more, you know, instead of light and dark, maybe a bit more balanced, a bit more grey, even like Kylo Ren when, in, when he was saying, like, kill the past and trying to convince Rey to kind of, like, meet in the middle kind of thing. Like, I would be interested to see that kind of, like, maybe conflict between you and obviously you, I don't think you can make a whole film about this but maybe have that as like one plot in a new film about like the Jedi rising up again or this I don't know even the Sith rising up again or you know something like that I think I'd be interested in seeing something like that yeah it, I mean a lot of their stuff is is currently just either telling more stories about characters we've seen or filling in gaps and yeah, yeah they haven't really breached out of it and it doesn't say that much for trying to do different stories when these all these trilogies that Ryan Johnson was supposed to have and all this other you know David Benioff and D.B. Vice like just haven't come to fruition yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. doesn't fill me with confidence that they'd be able to do a very good job of it but um agreed yes uh I guess 
in a tangential way, um, we could relate that to Peacemaker. Yeah. Um, a story about a kind of character that appeared in The Suicide Squad, had his own show, was relatively separate until uh, the last episode, maybe. Uh, the Yeah, I would say relatively separate, but there were... He did make references to DC characters like to Aquaman, Batman, Superman throughout the series. Okay. So yeah. give us a, give us your... I mean, I know Chris will probably want to talk about it when he's next on, but give us a, a lowdown of Peacemaker and what you thought of it. Okay. Quick synopsis. Um, so it's set, I think, maybe four months after the events of The Suicide Squad. So Peacemaker is in hospital recovering from having a building fall on top of him. Um, <laughs> so he escapes from the hospital because obviously after the mission they're supposed to go back to prison so he's kind of like thinking oh okay like no one's really like checking for me so i'm going to quickly escape from hospital but then he is recruited by um, another task force which is filled with a few of the people from the suicide squad film in like amanda waller's like a uh, team um and a couple of new additions um they recruit him to um stop uh these things called butterflies which uh they don't really reveal what they are until like i think maybe episode two i think but basically butterflies are like these alien like creatures like butterflies which have been in uh invading people's like brains and stuff and like um turn and like uh, uh, taking over people's bodies and basically just been like living amongst you know um other humans kind of thing and then you find that they're basically like a large, large amount of people are butterflies or, like, have been taken over by butterflies. Um, meanwhile, um, he also has to deal with his dad, who is a white supremacist. The peacemaker, that is. Right. He, was a, he was a white supremacist. And throughout the series, you can see why he is the way he is because you think, like... It's one of the ones where you see, like... When you see his dad... Like, you think, okay, yeah, this guy never stood a chance. Because <laughs> like, his dad is a piece of shit. Um, okay. And then, basically, the series kind of goes through, like, trust, like, think issues of trust, like, relationships, um, how um, Peacemaker's past and, in, like, with his dad, and he had a brother who died, and his brother and his past with... Um, like the Suicide Squad film, that mission, how that's affected him now and his attitude towards killing people now. Because um, there's a big thing in the Suicide Squad film about <laughs> Peacemaker. Obviously, it's played as a joke, but him saying, like, um, I'll give everything for peace. Like, I don't know, <laughs> don't matter how many women, children, or men I have to kill to get it or something like that. Yeah. And then it comes to this, and he actually has some sort of character growth and a change of heart in the same. Like, actually, maybe I don't want to, you know, maybe I don't want to kill people for peace, you know? Um, I will just say that so like you don't I won't spoil anything but um, yeah so next to Peacemaker he's got obviously this team of like this team of nobodies like James James Gunn his forte is taking a bunch of randos and making you actually <laughs> give a shit about them like these are the most <laughs> Z-list random bunch of people that and I, and I, I won't lie at the beginning series I was like mm, how much do I want to watch um, Amanda Waller's B Squad be in this TV show and then along with that there's this character called Vigilante who's a, literally a psychopath but he is hilarious like he's kind I think 
he's played as someone who has kind of like very very little like social awareness so like okay. he's a psychopath and he like he loves killing people but like he does it he plays it as if like he's like a really good <laughs> a really good person and he thinks that like him and peacemaker are like best friends and stuff like that and um the way it's the way it's acted and the way it's written, the way the character's written is is very funny. And Glenn, Glenn, I think you would enjoy that character very much. Um, okay. There is a very James Gunness about this show in that he throws a hundred jokes at the wall and hopes that you know fifty of them stick, um, which is fine because a, a lot of them do land. Some of them don't. Sometimes the gags go on maybe a bit too long, but they are still amusing. I think in their own little way. Um, but yeah, they basically, just to kind of round out what happens is they hunt the butterflies um, and they basically try to find a way to stop them from taking over the the planet and spreading, basically. That's kind of like the gist of the story. It sounds really similar to what Starro was doing in the Suicide Squad. It's quite similar. The, uh, that's probably my one... My one, um, my one main criticism is that I think the plot is very generic um and it is fairly similar and if you even if you see like uh i won't spoil it but there are yeah that you'll see in from maybe episode six or the end of episode seven there's a lot of very similar elements um to the suicide squad film which makes sense i guess because james gunn wrote and directed both but also you know diversify a little bit you know what i mean yeah exactly at least like he's the one responsible so he knew what he wrote in the suicide squad yeah. So like do something different yeah yeah i agree um just quickly to kind of go off on a little bit more yeah i think he's john cena when he when john cena tries to act seriously like actually serious serious so like fast and furious he's not the best when he's a character who is serious but is also a joke at the same time he's very very good um so in this year in this show i love I love everything about him in the show. Like, I think he plays everything so well. He has his funny moments. He has his, like, straight, like, serious moments. He has his emotional, really, some, a couple of really, really emotional scenes. Um, like, involving his dad, involving his brother, involving, um, the rest of the team who kind of, like, they end up bonding. Like, the team, they end up all like, actually becoming, like, like, good friends. But then, you know, circumstances happen and people stop trusting each other and, you know, um, so it's actually like, and there's a point like in the finale where they recall a joke from maybe episode one, episode two, and the character who the joke's about kind of explains how that joke like makes him feel, kind of thing. And like, it's actually really like I, I generally I got I got a bit choked up listening to him like say that like express his feelings to like just this random character about like you know how this was affecting his life kind of thing. And I was like, wow, that's actually, like, proper deep. And I think, like, that's the point where I was like, fucking hell, James Gunn, he's done it again. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking done it again. He got me to give a shit about fucking Rocket Raccoon, and then, you know, here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, um... Uh... Is John Cena the best wrestler-turned-actor? Ooh. I was trying to think of one apart from him and The Rock. Are there any others? Dave Bautista. Oh, yeah, of course, Dave Bautista. Oh, he's definitely better than Dave Bautista. I think he's probably better than The Rock because The Rock just plays The Rock. Yeah, I think and you're he's, right. He's yeah. always the same guy in every fucking film. I think you're right. And also, the the main thing about John Cena is that he's not afraid to take the piss out of himself. Um, he's not afraid to look like an idiot, to look like a fool. Whereas The Rock will always want to look like the guy. Like he'll yeah. never want to. He'll never want to be like 
take, who will never want to get the piss taken out of him kind of thing. John Cena will happily be the butt of a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wasn't Dave Bautista supposed to be Peacemaker? Or was I making that up? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure, to be honest. I feel like he was supposed to be, or he was in early talks to be in the Suicide Squad. Mm. Um, I might be getting that completely wrong. But yeah, I mean, if, yeah, yeah. Sorry, if, if Peacemaker and Black Adam kind of appear together, then maybe they could do like a finishing move from WWE <laughs> or something. <laughs> that would be funny. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, generally, I think... I don't think the show is... Because I think people, a lot of people were talking, like, giving this show, like, major props. And I won't say... I don't think the show is stellar, but I did enjoy it. Uh, quite a lot and I think that the show is well written for the most part and I think some of the action uh, the action scenes are again typical James Gunn very brutal very <laughs> quite bloody and also like well choreographed as well and there's also one moment in the final episode again where um, basically Peacemaker says some sort of line like like let's go kick some ass or something like that and then the theme song from the intro starts playing and they're all walking in slow motion towards the flight and I was like I was like getting bare laps. I was like yeah let's go <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah uh, there's just certain elements of the show that I'm like actually this is really really well done um, and I don't think strange kids say I don't think there are any episodes where I'm like oh that was actually a weak episode I think it's fairly fairly steady fairly, fairly natural Montreal, you know fairly steady <laughs> yeah you know what you're getting 7 yeah. out of 10s yeah Okay. Is there going to be a season two, do you think? There is going to be. There's been confirmed it's going to be a season two, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, I I would definitely recommend it to you. I think you would, at, uh, at least a, a base level, I think you would enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. I will seek it out. I'm sure I'll have to get a Now TV pass or something to uh, yeah. be able to watch it. But yeah. Oh, and also, sorry, quickly, just because you know already, there's a couple, there's some cameos at the end of the at the end of the finale a oh, spoiler alert guys um the justice league come after the fight's finished the justice league <laughs> appear at the end or at least four of the members of the justice league come at the end and then um peacemaker says you're late you fucking dickheads <laughs> <Which is amazing. laughs> i was cracking up for the time and then you think like because the way they film it you think it's like um what like body doubles but then they actually like peacemaker walk past them and actually jason Momoa was actually there and Ezra Miller is actually there as well. The other two cameos are uh, body doubles, but those two are actually there. Like, oh, actually, this actually like legitimizes that this show is connected to the wider DCEU, which I really enjoy. Yeah. So who are the body doubles? Wonder Woman and uh, Superman. Okay. Hmm, what does that say about Cyborg and Batman then? This is this is the question. I'm not sure what it says about it. Well, well, to us, Cyborg, I'm pretty sure it means he's not going to get a film anytime soon. Or he's not mm. going to be involved in any project anytime soon. At least Ray Fisher won't be anywhere. That's a shame. Um, yeah, and then Batman. I imagine they, did it, they didn't do Batman just because maybe they thought, oh, we will kind of want to back out the Ben Affleck route and kind of go towards the Pattinson and uh, Michael Keaton. Keaton route, which they seem to be going towards, I guess. So maybe they didn't want to confuse people. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah. I will uh, check that out. Um, let's go on to a uh, relatively recent release, uh, Death on the Nile. Um, so we've both seen that now, so we can chat about it. Um, yeah. Can I just say quickly, Ben, sorry, before mm-hmm. we kick off into it, I'm just going to say I called it barely, barely, but sorry, this film. Yeah, I, I mean, barely, yeah. but yeah, continue what you're saying. 
So this is the follow-up to um, Murder on the Orient Express. Develops another Agatha Christie novel directed by Kenneth Branagh as uh, Hercule Poirot, the uh, Belgian detective. Um, This one is basically um, he gets involved with uh, kind of a rich heiress who um, gets married and they're on honeymoon um, in Egypt on a boat called the Karnak. Um, and they're basically being pursued by her husband's ex. Um, and, you know, the ex has sort of suggested that she wants to be with the husband and, you know, might, might make her threats against her life. Um, so there will be spoilers. Uh, I'm sure if you've not seen it by now, then you probably didn't want to. So Gal Gadot is, uh, Lynette Doyle, she's the heiress, and um, Army Hammer plays her husband, um, and Emma Mackey plays Jacqueline de Belfort, who's the scorned lover, as Wikipedia describes her. And then, as usual, there's a whole load of suspects. You know, uh, Lynette dies, um, everyone on the boat is a suspect. They've all got a reason to, you know, have fallen out with her or the husband, and so, you know, who done it essentially? Um, this film also kind of gives us uh, an unnecessary backstory to the moustache yeah, by, by showing Poirot as as being a Belgian soldier in World War One and having been caught in an explosion and his face is semi disfigured, so he uses the moustache to cover it up. That de aging was awful as well. It was pretty bad, yeah. We d- not everyone needs to be de aged, all right. Hollywood, please. Um, but yeah, so uh, there's people like Russell Brand, there's Dawn French, Jennifer Saunders. And I, sorry, sorry. Russell Brand is such a bad actor. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't enjoy his performance at all. I'm so yeah. sorry. I tried to say that. Rose Leslie, uh, Sophie Okanedo, uh, Letitia Wright, among others. Um, so yeah, Lynette dies. Um, and, you know, Everyone gets accused, essentially. And it's a very... It's not even that interesting. There wasn't really much, like, mystery, to be honest. I mean, they pretty much say at the beginning that um, Jackie has a reason to want to hurt Lynette. And lo and behold, she is a co-conspirator with Simon. You know, it's it's like one of those things where they tell you who it is throughout and then try and throw in a few red herrings. But to be honest, they never really give any of the other characters enough for you to make it think that it could have been them. Yeah. It was always like, for most of the film, it's just Poirot going up to a character and being like, I think it might be you, but it's not you. And then it's like, okay, well, that was great. You know, it was just like, there was no mystery, it wasn't. I mean, even, like, I think Knives Out did it a bit better, um, even though, still, there's, there's because there's so many characters and only a two-hour film, like, you know, you're not seeing, no no character gets enough development for you to really think that it's them. So I was very underwhelmed, and I thought some of the effects, visual effects, were pretty sharp. Oh, awful, <laughs> yeah, awful, <laughs> awful, like... There was a point where, like, they, the point, the bits when they were in Egypt, basically everything, no, not all of it, all of it was bad. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, 
I don't understand why. I don't know if Kenneth Branagh's got a hand in casting, but he's playing a Belgian. Mm. You know, his French accent. Mm. Um, you have fucking Jennifer Saunders, who's British, playing an American. Um, Army Hammer, who's American, playing a Brit. Rose Leslie, who I think is Scottish, uh, was playing a French person. Yeah. You just. Why? This is where I was playing an American. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I just think, like, there must be some famous French actors and actresses that you could have cast. I mean, you know, Rose Leslie's French accent was dreadful. It just kind of seemed like a pastiche. I don't know. What what did you think of it? Uh, The film in general? Yeah, and just, yeah, any... Well, were there any positives for you? Um, I... Probably, I probably feel less strongly about like about it than you. I enjoyed it on a base level of who, like, you know, let's figure out the clues and see who done this murder. And oh, I think it's this person. Am I going to be right? I was right. It was really easy to figure out. <laughs> um, I'm surprised it took him to, took him that long to be honest, Mister Mister Pro. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought that. I liked, I'm trying to think of things that I liked. So I liked that more people, it wasn't just one person who died. I liked that more people kept dying. But then also with the fact, when more people keep dying, you're like, okay, so this is just narrowing down the suspect. So this is confirming who I think it is going to be. Um, I think that I liked, like, the through line of kind of like love and how like love affects, you know, how, how love can make people do the maddest of stuff. Um, I thought that again. I'm lucky. I thought the visual effects were really bad. I thought some of the characters were left a bit to be desired. The cousin, I think, it was the main one for me. I was like, oh, I don't really like you at all. Russell Brand's character, I thought, was bad, and Russell Brand is not a good actor. Um, I do like. Um, what was the the assistant's name? Book. Yes, him. I like him a lot. Um, I actually enjoy Kenneth Branagh in the role. The accent, the accent's not good, but I enjoy like the quippiness of him and like the the uh, what's it called the uh, the way he like you know brags a bit as well. Um, and there were a couple of lines you know that made me laugh, like when he says he accuses everyone of murder. I was like, oh, it's quite a problem, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, generally I thought that it was. I was I was hoping that this would be better than um, Murder on the Orient Express. And I don't think it is. Even though Modern Express, I think, wasn't the best either. I think I enjoyed the mystery aspect of that a bit more because I think it was a bit harder for me to find out. Well, I didn't know who did it in the end. Obviously, in the end, it was everyone, which was, which was fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I enjoyed that more than being able to guess from the beginning what what was going to happen. Um, which I, I just think that the acting talent in Murder on the Orient Express was better. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um and yeah like the main thing that for me that like i thought was was strange not strange but i was like the way it ended was so abrupt like with uh emma mackie shooting army hammer like she, presumably he she shot him through the back and killed herself in the in the process mm. which i was just like okay <laughs> i was like okay like, and obviously she says, like, early in the film, like, you know, she'd be willing to die for blah, 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 blah. Like, even talking about the Egyptians, like, you know, some of them were willing to be buried with their husbands, blah, blah. I get it. You know, you planted the seeds there. I get it. But I just thought the ending was so lame. Like, it was so anticlimactic. 
and like to the point where like Army Hammer he maybe denies it for like I thought he was gonna deny it then realize he was caught and be like aha we got you and then I don't know and then fucking try they both try and run away maybe they both jump into the sea and, and drown I don't know but for them to be like oh yeah they just hug and then he kills him and then even the way they die is very like nothing have really happened like they even the way they died was kind of lame. Um, I just think it, it's just like bare stupid yeah. that you would murder the heiress or you're confined to a boat yeah. and you've got the world's leading detective on board. Yeah. <laughs> Who they invited? Who they invited? <laughs> like, like, what do you expect? Yeah. Like, the, whole, the murder of all those people was just completely pointless. Yeah. And then right at the end, he's like standing on the pier, like greeting everyone when like two of their loved ones have died because he didn't do it quick enough. Yeah. Is the guy so sorry? Of what? Like, fuck off. Yeah. It's a shit. I hope they don't yeah. do a third one. Yeah. And then, I suppose they do a third one, I want to watch it. Because I like, I like the murder mystery genre, so I'll, I will keep watching it. But yeah, this one was it's, not very it's, good. It's not, it's not even like a big twist, is it? No. I, I, was, it, I was literally watching it and I was thinking, if it, like, I was thinking, okay, if it turns out to be Dawn French's character, am I going to be satisfied? No. If it turns out to, I wouldn't have been satisfied with any of them being... Mm. Unless it was Poirot himself, do you know? Then mm. I'd have been like, oh, damn, didn't see that coming. But, mm. yeah, it was just... Mm. Yeah, I would agree. I also thought that the bit, of the, the war bit at the beginning, although it proves that, like, it does... It went to show that kind of, like, um, his, inst- he, his instincts are often correct which is fine. I just thought that whole beginning bit and then with the woman and all that, I just thought that was... I just didn't care. And mm. the fact that the woman, like... She dies... Does she die? Later on? In the future? Yeah, I think he mentions that yeah. she's, she died. Like... Like... And I get, again, they're, like, one of the things in the film is love. And... But, like, show... Show her dying. Why... Why... why I don't understand why they would just mention it off... Um, mention it off screen kind of thing and then obviously he's kind of like flirting with the singer the singer as well that was mm. kind of like a thing about him more like wanting to get back out there blah, blah, blah. and I was like like what? Better <laughs> times of film as well I was like what? <laughs> what? It, just, it felt quite disjointed because yeah. you had the war thing and then he appears in that like bar where Gal Gadot and Emma Mackey are and they're like mates and then Emma Mackey's character uh, Jackie's like oh here's my boyfriend you know we're going to get married mm. and then like the next scene Gal Gadot's married him. Yeah. And you're like, what? Mm. I don't know. Was not, was not great. Um, but yes. Uh, I will wait for you to watch Uncharted before we talk about it in spoilers. Okay. I haven't played the video game, so I don't really know how faithful it is to it. Um, but I quite like watching Tom Holland. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was alright. I mean, Tom, Tom Holland is very watchable. Mm. Um, it was quite a lot of like rug pulling, like oh you can't trust this person, you can't trust that person. Mm. Um, some of the action was was all right. Um, kind of gave me vibes of like other films I'd seen before. I mean, the last act is is kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean, but in the sky, mm. uh, and that was quite cool. Visually, it was quite cool. Um. So yeah, I, I, do you know what? I don't know why I didn't, because every fucking film nowadays has one, but I didn't see the mid-credits scene. There's the mid-credits scene. Oh, right. Um, 
which presumably sets up some sort of sequel. But uh, yeah, so I didn't see that. Um, Antonio Banderas is completely pointless in this film. Um, and the accent of, I think her name's Chloe, like, she kind of just becomes Australian, like, part of the way through it. Right. I wasn't really sure what was going on there. But yeah, um, I think my pun in my Instagram review was not uh, lauded enough for its ingeniousness when I called him Peter Parkour. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> That's a good one, though. I like it's it. a good one. It's a good one. But, you know, my my genius is wasted on the Instagram captions. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure... I think Chris has definitely played the video game, so... Yeah. I think I'm yeah. sure if he's seen it, like, he can give his uh, opinion on how faithful it was. Mm. Um, but, yeah, let's go on to the most recent releases. Uh, you've seen Serrano, or Cyrano. I don't know how they pronounce it in the film. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, featuring Peter Dinklage. Give us the brief synopsis and uh, your thoughts on it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's pronounced Cyrano. Um, and it is a romantic musical film um, based on a play called Cyrano... Yeah, now I'm getting it wrong. Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, and I think there was an actual person called Cyrano de Bergerac, like he was a novelist. Um, and basically the film is about a, a, a man, Peter Dinklage's character, Cyrano, who is a poet, but also he's in the army. And basically... He loves this woman called Roxanne, but they, but he won't tell her that he loves her because he's afraid that she won't be with him because he is a little person. I'm not sure what, if that's the correct <laughs> terminology, so I don't know. Are uh, we not allowed to say dwarf? I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe I just got, got cancelled. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, he, so he won't profess his love to her. But um, there is this other character um, called Christian, played by um, Kelvin Harrison Jr., Kelvin Harrison Jr., who is also in the army. Um, and him and uh, Roxanne lock eyes, um, and it's like love at first sight. But she very much is able to express herself in really eloquent ways, and she's very much like romantic and wants to be written letters to and written and have like intelligent and long drawing conversations and Christian can't do any of that he's not good at speaking to women he's not good at articulating himself so um, Cyrano steps in and decides to write letters to Roxanne on his behalf um, and then they end up falling in love well they were already, they were already in love it's one of my crap of the film but they um Wait, Rox, Roxanne and Christian were already in love. They were so it, it was the love at first sight. They were like, "Oh my god, they're in love," oh, even okay. though they never fucking spoken to each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah, then yeah, they end up falling in love. And do you, do you care if I spoil it? No, no, no. They end up falling in love and getting married. And um, be, meanwhile, there's a, like a B plot of um, this Duke. Um, who is trying to also trying to marry Roxanne, but she doesn't love him and he's a bit buzzed. Um, played by Ben Mendelsohn. Um, and, uh, yeah, she, in order to kind of like stop her, stop herself from marrying the Duke, she marries Christian. They get married. They're, then the Duke finds out. And because of that, he sends them all off to war to go and fight. And, um, 
they uh, they fight. Christian ends up dying. Um, it's how many years later? Um, Cyrano finds out. Um, Cyrano basically reveals that he was the one who wrote the letters, and then they are like, "Oh my god, I loved you. I've always loved you." Da, 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 da. Then they kiss, and then Cyrano fucking dies. <laughs> what? Why? Because <laughs> just uh, injuries from the war. Oh, so it's a tragedy. It is a tragedy. Oh, um, yes. it is. It's a. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I really did. Um, and I kind of made the comparison on my on the Instagram post. The first Instagram post I've done in since Venom, I think so, a long time. Got more um, fucking comments than all the ones I do. <laughs> so my, my posts are engaging, mate. I'm doing something wrong. No one, no one gets my puns. Right. It's all on you now, Obes. Cheers, mate. <laughs> that that that, that account could be barren then. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was my one. That was my one a year. My one a year. Well, one and done. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh shit! I thought it was what I was saying though. Oh yeah, that's it. Um, so I was kind of like compare. Not that they're really similar. The only way they're similar is that they're both musicals. But I was comparing it to West Side Story, which I have seen getting non-stop praise. For the acting, the singing, the set design, the choreography, everything, and received Oscar nominations as well, um, and Golden Globes and whatnot. Um, and I've not really seen anything, anyone mention uh, Cyrano in term, in any sort, in any way similar, glowing terms. And I, having seen both of them, I prefer this film. I think that the music is more my speed compared to West Side Story I think that the choreography is underrated I don't think I've seen anyone talking about it and there is a quite a lot of not just like during the musical numbers but also during like the fights and stuff I think is is uh, really good as well I think Peter Dinklage is gen- like genuinely I think Peter Dinklage is one of like the best actors in the world like genuinely um, okay High I just every, every, everything about him I think like I everything that he's feeling, I feel <laughs> like I think he's so good at emoting both whilst he's speaking and whilst he's not speaking. And like it was the same way in Game of like Game of Thrones, he was my favorite character. Like I would, like any scene that he's in this film, he absolutely steals. Um, not that um, Haley Bennett or Kelvin Harrison Jr. aren't both very good. They both really are very good in this, but he's just such a standout. I think, and I think like the dialogue as well suits him and suits his his character it felt quite game of thrones did to be fair and maybe that's why i liked it so much because it just reminded me of Tyrion lannister possibly okay was he overlooked for a nomination then um who was nominated for best actor sorry i'm just gonna quickly look it up because i'm hesitant i want to say yes actually to be honest with you but i'm trying to think who was nominated uh god yeah i mean sorry, I'm just looking up i've already we only discussed it last week i know i know, I know. so uh i think will smith was nominated, wasn't he? Yes. Sorry, listeners, this is horrible for this for uh, you know. Sorry, who's quickest? Uh, nominees. So, no, I can't find it quick enough. Right, best. Act. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. Uh, so Javier Bardem for being the Ricardo. To be fair, I haven't seen it. But Benedict Cumberbatch in the Power of the Dog. You have seen? Would you say worth a nomination? I mean, he he plays a character you know who's a bit of a bastard and i guess mm. we don't really see that from benedict cumberbatch but mm. just because you play against type doesn't necessarily mean you should be nominated for an oscar fairs fairs yeah i agree with that completely um 
Denzel, um, well, yeah, Denzel Washington for the tragedy of Macbeth, which again I haven't seen yet, but I'm planning on seeing it. But I have no doubt he's good in that because he's good in everything. Will Smith in King Richard, he was really good in that. To be fair, I can't knock that one. And Andrew Garfield in Titty Bloom, again, he's really good in that too. So I can't knock that one either. So was he snubbed? Good question. Will I put him up ahead of any of these ones that I've actually seen? Hmm. No, no. I'll say okay. No. I say no, but he was very good. He was very. I think he was very good. And like, it's a bit like the 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 the, the plot is. You know, it's about like unrequited love. Like it's it's romantic and it's soppy and it's like you know got me in my field. I was like, oh man, like just I was able to love this man. And like <laughs> that it probably get, get, get probably got me in the heart. I was like feeling it in every like every line, every line delivery. And I really, it's one of them. So obviously it's based on the play and it's one of those films that I think it feels like a play as well. Um, which I, again, I've mentioned quite a few times that I really like because it gives actors no, you can't hide behind, you know, funny lines. You can't hide behind CG. You can't hide behind action sequences. Like you just have to deliver what you can and show that you can keep, keep pace with whoever you're acting in the scene with. Um, and I think all three of the, the main uh, leads in the film do do that at all times um, and I think that the musical numbers there's two musical numbers in particular that I think are really good um, Peter Dickage can't sing bless him um, okay <laughs> he, but he can carry a tune so like it's not like it's a bit like uh, what's his name it's a bit like Ryan Gosling in uh, La La Land like he's not a singer but he, like you know it doesn't distract you too much I don't think and you know um, so like there's that like Kevin Harrison Jr. is actually a pretty decent singer if it, I'm assuming it was his voice He's a pretty decent singer. Again, Hayley Bennett is a very good singer. Um, I don't know if she's an actual singer in real life. I don't think she is, but... Um, she looks so much like Jennifer Lawrence. She does, doesn't she? Yeah. She really does. And she's actually... Um, um, she's the partner of um, Joe Wright, who directed, who directed the play. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a, so she has a really good number in it. Um, Kevin Hassan Jr. has a really good number in it as well. Uh, I was going to call him Tyrion. Um, <laughs> doesn't really have any standout numbers, but he's, again, as a baseline, I think his are all fairly decent. The songs are enjoyable, I would say. On a base level, enjoyable. On a higher level, some of them actually got, a couple of them got me quite emotional. There's especially one um, at the end where, and funnily enough, none of the lead actors actually sing in, it, sing in this song. This is sung by some side characters. And basically, the Duke, because he's... Uh, pissed off he says it's not he's not pissed off but because he is pissed off because um the Roxanne married someone else he basically send send the war people in the guards in the war on a suicide mission basically like they held this hill or whatever this territory for three months or whatever oh no uh three months yeah something like that and they said yeah right just fuck it go and attack like knowing that they're probably sacrificing them they're gonna die basically and this scene which i think is probably my favorite scene in the whole film basically they're captain of the army tells this uh, person to go around collecting everyone's letters to send to, you know, their, their loved ones and stuff. And basically there's three characters and they basically sing about how they're going to, they've got this, this person at home. They've got this, so one of them is his wife. Another one, it's um, a girl who he loves, who's never told that he loves. And for the other one, it's, it's their dad um, who's like not well and stuff. And like the song is basically about them kind of like talking about their relationship with these people and how kind of like telling these people in their letter not to cry because like I think the line is like heaven 
is wherever I fall or something like that. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, shit, that fucking got me. Like, the, the song, like, genuinely is very, very emotional. But then I also thought, like, isn't it weird that, like, this song is my favourite, but none of the main actors are singing it. But anyway. Um, yeah. And then, sorry, go on. No, 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 I was just active listening. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, at, like, at the end of that song as well, like, um, so Christian finds out that, so Christian uh, was oblivious to the fact that um, Cyrano loved Roxanne till he gets, he sees the final letter that he's about to send her um, whilst they're at war and he sees that it's got a tear thing on it and he's like, oh, what, were you crying whilst writing this letter? And he's like, oh yeah, oh, you know, I was just writing it because I was feeling how, it was emotive, I was em- empathising, so uh, that's why there's a tear on it, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, mm, that's bullshit, like you, <laughs> you, like, you love her, don't you? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? And then, he, and then Cyrano says, if, I die in this war and you don't die. When you go back to Roxanne and she asks you about the volume of letters she's received, don't say anything stupid. Don't think anything of it. And he was like, what? How many letters have you been, have you been sending? Because he's under the impression that he's sending one a week. He's sending, he's sending them every day. <laughs> because obviously right. he's, he's expressing his love to her that she obviously can't, that she doesn't know about and no one else knows about. But obviously he thinks that, you know, he might die as well. So he's like writing, writing to her in this way. And, um, they basically find out, they argue about, like, kind of, because Cyrano saying, no, we can't tell her, we can't tell her that I love her, blah, blah, blah. And Christian's like, no, you have to tell her, like, whether she loves one of us, or both of us, or neither of us, she has to be able to make the choice and decide um, what she wants. Like, yeah, we have to, she has to know the truth. And he says, like, I would rather, I'd rather die alone than be with someone who doesn't want to be with me for who I am. And I was like, yeah, that, that line hit. I was like, oh, what line? <laughs> oh, that line hit me in the heart. And then he goes out in the war and fucking dies. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> he literally went out. I, and this is the one thing that I don't like about the film actually, because they show him to be a very capable fighter. Um, and then overcome with emotion at this point, he literally runs out into the war, past the front line, and just gets shot. And I was like, well, you wouldn't be this dumb, would you? Like they should have at least showed him getting beating in battle or something he literally just runs out no he didn't have a gun on him didn't have a sword on him just ran out to the top of a hill get shot and dies and i was like well that is fucking stupid that <laughs> annoyed me so that two things two things on him that annoyed me um i thought that was silly they could have done that way better they could have just he could have just fought in battle and died second thing that annoyed me is there's a scene uh where basically christian and um roxanne meet up for the first time and they're chatting and Christian obviously is not Cyrano so he's talking very simply and she's like why don't you speak to me how do you speak to me in your letters and then he tries to kind of replicate the letters but fucks it up and she gets pissed off and runs back to her to her house and then he asks Cyrano for his help and then they go to her balcony and Cyrano is kind of like hiding behind the wall and whispering to Christian what to say to her kind of like to help him and stuff and then she because obviously he's saying words and then um Christian's repeating them. She's like, why are you talking funny? Like, why are you talking so slow? And he's like... And then they just decide to, to like, stop talking and let Cyrano talk to her directly. And then she was like, oh, like, why is your voice an octave lower? Duh, 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 duh. And he's like, oh, because I'm speaking freely. Blah, blah. And I was like, you... So she's known Cyrano her whole life. So I'm thinking, like, the fuck? You don't recognise Cyrano's voice? <laughs> like, yeah. That, that part, I think I wrote in the post, like, you have to suspend your disbelief for that for that one scene because I'm like this doesn't make this you wouldn't you would just know you would know that this that that's his voice his voice is very distinct for a start doesn't sound like Christian's voice 
and also you've known him for your whole life, so you would know you would just know that's him. But that was silly. Um, but that scene in general is really good. Just that moment in it is is really dumb. Anyway, yeah. So then obviously they uh, go through the war. Christian dies. He lives. Three years later, Cyrano's fucked up, like from presumably from injuries from the war. Um, and he visits uh, Roxanne like once a week just to you know chat to her and tell her the news or whatever. And then he basically expresses his love for her, and she says she like says like, oh yeah, I've always known you love me. Blah, blah, blah. And like, why are you telling me now? He's like, oh, because I think it's going to be my last day because he thinks he's about to die. And basically, she says that she loves him too. And I was like, why didn't you fucking say that three years ago? Whatever. Could have saved you guys. Could have saved him. Could have saved a lot of people a lot of heartache. And you could have saved a lot of people from fucking dying as well. But whatever. Anyway. Um, and then yeah, then they kiss. And then yeah, Sina takes his last breath and he fucking dies. And I was like, fuck! Fucking <laughs> killed him. I was like, shit, man. Because obviously, you know, you expect it to end, you know, happily. It sounds ve- very Shakespearean. It's very Shakespearean, yeah. Fucking okay. Well, I'm surprised you only gave it a seven when uh, you seem to be very effusive about it. Uh, do you know what? Because I didn't... I I liked it. I didn't love it. I think it has uh, some issues. So, like, with, so like obviously, that thing annoyed me. I think the whole... Uh, there are a couple of things that I spoke about that annoyed me. The whole literally love at first sight thing annoyed me because it, what they didn't even have a conversation they just looked at each other and then she was like I think I'm in love with this man and he's like oh my god this woman loves me I'm in love with her too I was like this come on man <laughs> like, I can suspend my disbelief but yeah that this, shit this I fucking like that stuff fucking hell um, that annoyed yeah. me and I think that it progresses a bit to the pacing's a bit off at times I think sometimes it's kind of slower and then it progresses really fast and then like even a bit with you know uh, Christian end up dying like him and him and Cyrano have a conversation and then he says the thing about like you know I want to, someone who loves me for me and then literally 30 seconds later he died and I was like fucking hell and then 30 seconds after that the war's finished just three years later and I was like oh shit okay this is the epilogue I guess like or <laughs> the prologue or whatever you call it um, Ep- epilogue yeah epilogue and yeah some of those that jarred me quite a bit I think maybe I was a bit harsh I think I, I was wishing going to give it a 7.5 but then I thought mm, let me not let me, let me lower it you know because I might just be feeling a bit gassed right now because you know couple of songs got me and I was like oh right I'm feeling kind of emotional right now recency um, bias yeah so I was like let me give it a 7 but I'm very interested in watching the play version because I imagine that would be better than the film because they normally are um, but yeah I enjoyed it a lot and I spoke about that for ages so I apologise <laughs> no it's good it's good for you to you know talk about something so positively because uh, it's normally me talking shit about films so uh, yeah <laughs> Well, maybe you could do a spin-off. You're average theatre critics if you go and see it. Yeah, mate. <laughs> Listen up that one. We yeah. still need, um, you know, Foulet's thoughts, mate. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? Yeah. Maybe, What's happened with that? Maybe God. one. Maybe. maybe. One. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I won't be talking about Studio 666 for quite as long as that, um, but that's another uh, recent release. Um, yeah, it's a comedy horror um, mm. featuring... The Foo Fighters, as themselves, uh, based on a story by frontman Dave Grohl. Um, essentially, the plot is, in the 90s, there was a band uh, called Dream Widow, who, uh, as far as I'm aware, are not a real band. Um, they were recording an album in this house in um, Encino, which I think is in California. Um, and one of the band members basically ended up killing everyone else. 
Um, and Jenna Ortega is very briefly in it. She's basically the latest screen queen. She's in loads of horror films at the moment. Um, and 20 years later, 30 or 30 years later, the Foo Fighters are trying to record their 10th album and, uh, they're struggling with like, uh, writer's block and, uh, inspiration. And so their manager, who says that, you know, he's in debts because the band are costing him money, thinks, hmm, I will send them to this house where the murder happens. And, uh, you know, maybe that will give them some inspiration. And, uh, so they end up going there. The acoustics are really good, you know, record to Dave Grohl. And they start recording their 10th album, but, uh, very quickly, there's like ghostly shit happening. One of their sound guys gets electrocuted and the graphics were terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, I mean, I've seen a clip from The Flash where someone gets like electric lassoed. Um, it kind of looked like that. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Dave Grohl kind of gets kind of possessed. Um, and there's some sort of like satanic thing going on where they need to, finish this song but you can't finish it but if you do then that might open a gateway to hell or something so it starts off really gory um like exaggeratedly so and that's kind of there's sporadic moment to that throughout this film i mean two people get chainsawed in half whilst having sex but Mm. it was it's it's not like sore levels of gore it's very ott which, you know, I guess is because it's horror comedy and it's kind of a light-hearted playfulness to it. But my issue with this film is the Foo Fighters are not very good actors. Mm. One of them in particular, Pat Smear, who's, I think, is a guitarist. He doesn't, he just never looks comfortable in front of the camera. He's basically, like, really rigid and he, like, looks kind of, like, out the corner of his eye, doesn't really, like, turn his head when he looks and he just looks so awkward Mm. and... A lot of the comedy is the bandmates just telling each other to fuck off. They were like, oh, fuck off, Dave, you dickhead. And it's like, okay, well, that's funny a couple of times, but not that funny. Mm. Um, And it just kind of like seems to forget about what is actually the point of the plot for quite some time. There's a lot of it where they're just kind of jamming and, you know, trying to finish this song, but they kind of forget about the horror element and the comedy element and the the it, the pacing's all over the place. Mm. It just kind of, I think it's intentionally quite B-movie, but it also felt even worse than that, kind of like a student film. Um, and yeah, there's just not much in the way of plot. They kind of shoehorn in, some of the satanic references and try and wrap it up at the end. I mean, I'll go into details, but Dave Grohl ends up killing two or three of the band members. And then the other two who are surviving are like trying to save him. They're like, oh, we need to save Dave. So he's just killed your entire band. Mm. And you're not even that bothered. Um, yeah, so it was very naff, I think. Naff is probably the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, I don't really know what I expected, to be honest, but um, it didn't even deliver on those expectations. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it was 
I mean, there was people in the audience that I was with who were clearly like metalheads or Foo Fighters. I'm a Foo Fighter fan, but not to the stage where I would say that this was a good film. Um, so, yeah, think they they missed a massive trick here. You know, the fact that the Foo Fighters play themselves and they're just Dave Grohl is having a good time, but you know the rest of the rest of them have varying degrees of acting ability. In fact, the funniest moment from the film was when Dave is uh, having serious writer's block, so he decides to play Hello by Lionel Richie on the piano. Mm. And then Lionel Richie appears and goes, stop playing my fucking song. I fucking like that song. (laughs) That was funny, and the rest of it was like, meh. I also kind of felt bad for the rest of the band members because Dave Grohl was very much front and centre. And I Mm. guess he is in the band as well, because if you'd have shown me the rest of the five and said, what band are these in? I would have been like, I don't know. So I get it. But also it felt like he was getting like all the lines, all the best things to say and do. And the others were just kind of there to make up the numbers. Um, so yes, uh, probably one that you'd watch on Netflix or whichever streaming service it ends up on. But yeah, don't kind of one I'd watch at all to be fair. No, it's probably one of those that you'd put on and be like, eh, just to pass the time. But yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's not good. Um, so it's a shame because I watched that over Cyrano. <laughs> but I would go and watch Cyrano. Um, yes. Is there anything else that you want to discuss? Um, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No, I feel like we're caught up with everything. Um, yeah. Cool. No TV that you're watching? Um, no, I'm kind of slacking on the TV front, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I need to get back on it. Because there's a couple of things that are out that I just haven't gone around to watching. I feel like I should watch. I haven't fancied going to see Dog. No, it looks awful. <laughs> <laughs> it looks awful. I don't know. Like, sometimes I see films and I'm like, who greenlit this? Yeah. Like, and, and why are Odin showing it so much? Yeah. Really, really strange. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess the next one will be The Batman. Um, which, uh, yeah, hopefully we have quite a lot to say about. Particularly yeah. um, it's three hours long, so yeah. Uh, yeah. if we can't talk about it for, you know, an hour or so, then uh, maybe it's not very good. But uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, uh, ben, just quickly, sorry, before we sign off, are you planning on watching this um car- this the boys cartoon? Um, I might do. Mm. I don't have access to Amazon Prime anymore, so oh, of course, I'm gonna, so. I'm gonna have to. Uh, yeah, well, maybe I'll wait for you guys to see if it's any good, and then if I do like a month subscription or something. When's yeah. it out? Um, it is out. Uh, oh, fourth of March, Friday. Oh, same day as Batman. Mm. Mm, interesting. But yeah, I mean, I'm not rushing out to see it. I, I will watch the next season of The Boys, but yeah, um, the animated one, I don't know much about it to be honest. But yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. You can check out our reviews, such as Obi's. Incredibly popular Cyrano review on uh, Instagram. <laughs> we are as you average critics, and we are also on Twitter as YSC Podcast Seventeen. Keep it sexy. <laughs>